the resurrected Christian is a different kind of person. He's an anomaly. He is someone that the world has never seen outside of our community, outside of the body of Christ. There is only one place to see the resurrection Christian, and that is inside the Lord's body. The Christian is as diverse as darkness and light, death and life. For some Christians, however, their new birth's authentic reality is challenging to practicalize in their day-to-day lives. The cross of Christ settled our eternal sin problem with the Holy God, while the resurrection of Christ opened a new and better way for us to live with Him forever. But for some, this is more in theory than practical reality. And so I want to talk about this in this episode of Life Over Coffee. You're listening to Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for being here. Here's the big question that I want you to think about in this episode. Are you a tomb dweller or a resurrected Christian? I'm not fussing. I'm not judging. I'm not condemning. I'm just speaking to the reality. I do know what it's like to be in that rut, to be in the tomb, to be in that grave, so to speak, where it's just hard to get out. It's hard to get off the mat. And this is Easter. This is the best time of the year for Christians. But for some Christians, it won't be that way. And I am aware of that. And so I am not criticizing, but just speaking to the reality that Times are hard for some people. Seasons are hard. There are crucibles of suffering. There are things that we go through. Everybody does not all the time live on the mountain in that steady, uninterrupted victory in Jesus. That's not reality. That's heaven. That's not life on earth. And so I want to talk about that today. And if you are that person who is struggling and you're having a hard time getting off the mat, I trust that this podcast will be an encouragement to you. If you are someone who is helping or if you know someone who is struggling, please let this this episode be a part of, of how you speak to them and encourage them and to help them so that they can resurrect from this season, this long season that they have been in. Droughts are that way. Grief is that way. Disappointment, broken expectations, unfulfilled dreams, they are that way. And so this is the Life Over Coffee podcast. Thank you again for listening. Here's the rule. If you listen and you like it, then you have to share the podcast with 1,000 of your closest friends. And so be a good legalist. Obey the rule. Let someone know about this episode. And if you do like it, please go and write a review. Give us a a five-star review and write something nice out there. If you don't like the podcast, send us an email and let us know why. How can we change? Uh, How can I change? How can I address the log in my eye? And if the podcast aren't good, if it's not something you want, if there's something that I can change, would you let me know? And then for the rest of you who do like it, if you would write a review, it will help us to reach more people. And so whatever platform in which you listen to this uh, Life Over Coffee podcast, if you would write a review, I would appreciate it. We're trying to reach as many people as we possibly can with the practical message of Jesus Christ. This is the 
uniqueness of our ministry. We don't talk theology, not in the most explicit and way that people would teach a, like say, a theological class. What we do, we're in the other silo. We're in the application silo. There are two silos, right? There's the knowledge silo where we build, where we fill it up with theology. We must have sound theology. And then there's the other silo where we apply the theology. Both of those are essential if you only have one, a knowledge silo, for example, you could be puffed up and arrogant and really dysfunctional in your life because you don't know how to apply the Bible to your to to your life and to your relationships. And if you if you only work on the application side, but you're not drawing from the deep well of rich theology, then whatever it is you are applying, it won't be it won't be good either. And so there are two silos, and I trust that you're feeding yourself theology, sound theology, that you're filling up that knowledge silo, and then I trust that we can come alongside you and help you in the practical application of the sound theology that you're consuming on a daily and, and weekly basis. As always, if we can answer any questions that you have, please let us do that. We have community forums where we interact uh, with our community, and so we would love to do that for you. If you aren't a supporter, you can get a free membership, and that's just fine. We want zillions of free members, and you can jump on our free membership forum, and you can ask your question. For those of you who support us, we have a private forum, and we are we're focusing during this season on building member-exclusive content, financial partner-exclusive content. Those who do commit to us financially, we want to continue to increase our commitment to you. And so over the past week, we have added two new resources for you. One of those is what we call direct messages from Rick Thomas, and that's where I do short five-minute or less videos where I just talk about all sorts of topics. And I have a dozen of those videos out there right now on the Supporting Member Forum. And you can watch those five-minute or under videos, and you can comment on them. You can also make suggestions. Hey, would you do a little short video on, on this? Maybe I can do that for you, our supporting community. And then we have another forum where Dr. Daniel Berger, who has spent his his adult life studying mental illness and disorders, and he speaks to that community uh, from a bibliocentric worldview. And he has a private forum that we have placed on our supporting member side of the site. It is a new member exclusive resource. And you can talk to Daniel Berger about whatever things are on your mind, like say pertaining to ADHD or PTSD or OCD or any other acronym along those lines that you have questions about or something that you're dealing with personally or you're helping someone, Daniel would be glad to interact with you. Many of you already know that we have a Life Over Coffee video series that's really set up for Daniel. 
Uh, I ask him questions. I, I lead it as I lead in the sense of asking him questions, but he's the content guy. And so he's the one that's responding in that video series. And we have over 30 of those videos. Most of them, I think all of them are between 10 and 15 minutes of, of Daniel and I interacting with each other where he's sharing all sorts of things. Suicide, we did a, I just finished a seven-part series on suicide. We're getting ready to upload a five-part series on Jordan Peterson and what uh, happened to him, and Daniel's going to speak into that from a Again, a bibliocentric perspective as he looks into the world of medication and, and what went on with Jordan Peterson. And so we have a lot of resources, and I do want you to benefit from them. Now, this article here that I'm sharing with you is, Are You a Tomb Dweller or a Resurrected Christian. This is an article. And so the Life Over Coffee podcast, it used to be we had two podcast networks, Your Daily Drive and Life Over Coffee. Your Daily Drive was the podcast where I put all of our articles. Well, we're not doing that anymore. We're putting all of our article content inside this podcast network, Life Over Coffee. And the way to tell the difference is if it's an article, it won't be an episode. It'll just be an article, as I read the title to you. Are you a tomb dweller or a resurrected Christian? And then I will do episodes as well, where I tackle topical subjects in those episodes. But all of that will be in one podcast platform, Life Over Coffee. You only need one icon on your phone. You only need one place for us to get all of our podcast information, whether it is an article or an episode. So let's jump into this idea of being a tomb dweller or a resurrected Christian. And as always in our articles, there are there's a lot of embedded links here. And so this could be a substantial homework assignment for any person who is working through the funk. They're they're in that long dark gray tunnel and they don't see the light at the other end. This could be a helpful resource for you. The cross forgave us and the resurrection gave us an eternal and accessible relationship with the Father. The res resurrection of Christ transports forgiven people, you and me, I'm assuming that you have been regenerated by the power of the gospel, that you have been born again. And if that is the case, then you and me, the resurrection of Christ transports us, forgiven people, into a new way of thinking and a new way of living. Most assuredly, all Christians will experience this new kind of resurrected life in heaven. It's coming. It will be then. But the meaning of Jesus coming out of the tomb should be a more profound and practical reality for us today too. And so you could say it is then and now. Or in theology, we talk about already, but not yet. There's an eschatological, there's a future reality that we, are, we will experience, but that future reality is in part now, already, but not yet. Both things are true at the same time. But it's hard for us to, to learn how to live in that practical reality. 
Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. There's that funk. There's that long, gray, dark tunnel There's that rut, that grave, that tomb dwelling. Paul was going through a significant affliction in Asia to the point to where he said he was utterly burdened beyond his strength that he despaired of life itself. He went on to say that, indeed, we we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But then he he transitions and he gives a, a divine interpretive or explanation for what was really going on. Listen to his sovereign clarity. The last sentence of this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 says, But that, all of that, the affliction in Asia, being utterly burdened beyond our strength, despairing of life, the sentence of death, all of that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Now, the thing that I want to point out in this verse is that when Paul talked about going through the crucible of suffering and when he talked about the solution, the solution he pointed to was the resurrection. When he, the gospel is a, a multifaceted diamond. It has many different faces, and depending on what you want to focus on and what point you want to make, the gospel has many facets. There's the, birth, there's the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ on the cross, the resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ. Christ the gospel before he came, and Christ the gospel after he came uh, in Revelation. And so there's many faces of the gospel, but when it comes to going through a crucible of suffering to where you despair of life, the aspect of the gospel that Paul is drawing attention to is specifically the resurrection. He said that all the stuff we went through was God teaching us, training us, making us to rely not on ourselves. He was breaking our self-reliance and teaching us to rely on him who raises the dead. That is the aspect of the gospel that he wants us to see and apply to our lives when we're going through our darkest trials. Don't focus on the death of Christ, as important as that is. Don't focus on the coming of Christ, as important as that is. But when you're going through your darkest time, focus on this aspect of the gospel, the resurrection. Because there is only one person that can raise someone from the grave. There's only one person who has the power to overcome death. And that is the kind of power that we need in our lives in our darkest moments. The resurrection provides us an unmerited way to live. It practically and victoriously transforms us in the here and now. We're talking about the resurrection. We understand the resurrection of Christ as our future hope. That's that eschatological perspective of the resurrection. But it's also our present power, which is an excellent thought that I trust will compel you to ask some self-reflecting questions as you think about the resurrection and your life in 
the practical reality of your day-to-day life? Here's a couple of questions that maybe will generate and, and give you more questions that you can ask yourself pertaining to the resurrection in your day-to-day life. How aware are you that the design of the things you're going through teaches you how to rely on him who raises the dead? That is exactly what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians. But that, all of that, affliction in Asia, utterly burdened beyond our strength, despairing of life, the sentence of death, that was to make us to rely on him who raises the dead. How aware are you that the design of the things you're going through teaches you how to rely on him who raises the dead? Question number two, do you know how? To leave self-reliant habits in the tomb and walk in the light of God-reliance. I have an article here that's linked inside that question right there. And so if you go to this article on our website, Are You a Tomb Dweller or a Resurrected Christian? And then look at this question that I just asked you. You'll see a link You can click on it, self-reliant, and it will take you to a 2,000-word article. It will take you to a video that you can watch because if you're struggling, if you do not know how to leave self-reliant habits in the tomb and walk in the light of God-reliance, then you want to spend some time right there. We have an option to believe Christ is in the tomb And we can order our defeated lives according to that option, Christ in the tomb. Or we can live as though Christ did rise from the grave, and we can order our lives accordingly. How you think about this is, it's not just your worldview, but it will set your trajectory, and it will determine its outcome. And so let me ask, how does the resurrection make a difference in your life? And then number two, what fears continue to lurk in your heart that the power of the resurrection has yet to vanquish? To be stuck in the tomb is to be trapped in defeat. The resurrection of Christ offers something that is practically powerful to transform us from what we were to what God is calling us to be. Paul talked about this theological tenet in new creation terms. As we move from an old way of living to a new way of living. There are two passages that you're familiar with, and I I want to share them with you as a reminder just to punctuate the point that there is a new way for us to live. And again, Paul framed that in this new creation idea. We're new people when you come out of the tomb. And so he said in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 and 18, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. And then he said in Ephesians, 2, uh, Ephesians 4, 22-24, oh, put off the old self. Put off that, that tomb-dwelling self. 
which belongs to your former manner of life that, that was dead, in the tomb, unresurrected, corrupt through deceitful desires, and, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to, be, and to put on a new self. There's a new creation language when we come out of the tomb. And he says it's created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. A tomb-dwelling Christian is an oxymoron, but it's more than that. It negates the transformative power that is resident in us now. And again, I'm not fussing or judging or, or condemning because, as I said a while ago, that I do understand. I have been in that place. And I, I remember uh, I, I, I remember uh, when my wife left, it was within a, two or three weeks of that time. And it was just unbelievably devastating. Some of you have gone through that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And we were in our college uh, chapel service at our little fundamental fundamentalist Baptist Bible College. I have so much affection for those days in many ways, and, and definitely for those people. But I remember in that chapel service, I can still see it today. It's so clear. And they were singing, when we all get to heaven, what a day that will be. That's a good old Baptist song. If you haven't sang that one in a while, maybe you want to belt out the hit because it's a good one. But I remember standing there in that chapel service and everybody was just shouting the victory when we all get to heaven. What a glorious day that will be. And my eyes were just pouring water. The bros were looking at me and thinking, oh man, Rick is so spiritual. Oh, he's just so deep into Christ. No, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't the case at all. Rick was totally broken and devastated and wanted to die. And I remember as my mouth was, was saying those words, those lyrics, my mind was saying this. This is true, true story. Quote, my mind was saying, dear God, if you have a bus that is coming by tonight. I want to get on. We went to night classes. I want to get on that bus, and I want to go to heaven right now. I don't want to live anymore. And so I'm not fussing at you. I really do understand. A tomb-dwelling Christian is an oxymoron, but I went back into tomb after God regenerated me during that season. It negates the transformative power that is resonant in us now. And though we should be the most envied people in the world because of our relationship with the risen king, our lives can at times shrink back. And that's what I'm describing to you. I was the, the ever-shrinking Christian during those days. And we shrink back into the tomb. We shrink back away from our inheritance. And when we do that, there are four characteristics for the tomb-dweller. And you'll find these characteristics in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the passage it talks about the resurrection. When we shrink back into the tomb, four things happen. Our faith becomes vain during that time. And, that, and that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain if we're not living that kind of life, if, if we're, I'm talking about practically, I mean, Christ has been raised, of course, and our life is not vain and our faith is not vain. But if we're not stepping into that inheritance, there is a practical reality 
of our faith becoming vain. And so number one, our faith becomes vain. Number two, we we misrepresent God. This is 1515. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised and so we misrepresent God and then in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians 15 we're still in our sins and then in verse number 19 people should pity us those are four characteristics and even though it is not our actual or positional reality because even if we live practically in the tomb, we are very much resurrected. But from a practical perspective, these characteristics shroud us because we have shrunk back into the tomb. You define a Christian by the end of the story, not the beginning. In the beginning, everything fell apart. That's Genesis 3, verses 6 and 7. But God made a new way through his son, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. It's an assured victory that is just as real as the reality of God himself. And here's the big question that I want to ask you. Do you believe the gospel story, not just intellectually, but practically in your life right now, functionally? I live in the underworld of Christianity that place where real people are hurting profoundly. There is no pretense or facade of Christianity where I live. It's not that Sunday morning Christianity where, how are you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. God is so good. I'm not making fun of everybody that's ever said that, but there can be a facade of Christianity on Sunday morning. There's also a truly genuine, authentic, joyous Christian reality too on Sunday morning, but there can be a facade. But in the underworld of Christianity where I live, where real people are hurting profoundly, there is no pretense and there is no facade. I experienced suffering in the crucible And I spend most of my days hanging there with others in their crucible. Conflict characterizes the Christian life. I know this intimately well. And I know that sometimes it's all a person can do to stay out of the tomb. Stuck in a rut is where I want to help folks. It's how I've devoted my life. It's why I, last fall, 2020, we we took the plunge and I gave away my my life's work. I, I, I gave away all the things that the Lord has taught me. That those in the in the in the crucible, in those most intimate times, I, I I wanted you to have all of those stories, all those devotionals, all those podcasts and videos and articles. We gave it away because this is so important to me. I've devoted my life to helping people, and I want you to have as much access into my life as you possibly can and to benefit from the things that the Lord has taught me. If you think our ministry can serve you, please let us know. Begin that process of coming out of the tomb of defeat. Let me wrap up this podcast by asking you just a few questions that I trust will serve you. And if you want to copy these questions, just go to this article and copy them down. Or hit the print feature at the bottom of this article. You can do that. That will work, and you can print it off in a PDF. But here's four questions, and and I'll be done. Question number one, what fears do you carry that, that have not seen the light 
of his glorious resurrection. We can always live that that dichotomy life where there's a person that we present to others that people don't see, but then internally there's a different kind of person, a person that's hiding behind Adam's fig leaves, shaking in fear, struggling with shame, carrying the weight of guilt. Can you, Will you talk about the fears that you carry that have not seen the light of his glorious resurrection? Maybe you can write down a few things. Even better, maybe you can talk to someone about those. Number two, what thoughts do you have that are tucked away in the tomb of your heart? We're walking into the tomb. I'm talking about the fears that you carry that haven't seen the light of his glorious resurrection, the thoughts that you have that are tucked away in the tomb of your heart. Question number three, will you go to God and begin a process of bringing light to what is hidden. That's where you want to start on your knees. You don't have to get on your knees. In your closet. You don't have to get in your closet. Wherever you are, the word is near you. It is in your heart. And you can pray to God. You can talk to him because he is near you. Start there. And then number four, will you find a friend and share those things. The good Lord never intends for the Christian life to be an isolated journey. When Jesus came out of the tomb, he found his friends. Will you go and do likewise? Will you build a community, even if it's in cyberspace with us? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.